You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Norcom, your audiovisual information technology solutions provider, Norcom.com, JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and by MSA Design. Design, create, innovate. The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by. on the Reds Radio Network. Hey, very delightful. Good evening to you, and let's talk some Reds baseball. This is the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And certainly excited to talk some Reds baseball. Uh, kind of some news, uh, of course, today is the tender deadline for teams. That'll be in about two hours, just under two hours. Teams got to figure out uh, whether... Uh, tender eligible players are going to be re-signed, tender to contract, or let go to free agency. We've already seen a few players that have uh, been granted free agency by their respective teams, so we'll talk about that a little bit on this show. What this offseason uh, is going to look like. The landscape is certainly unique. It's been a unique year. So how does that affect what teams are doing? How does that affect what the Reds are doing? Uh, we'll talk with the Reds' new assistant pitching coach, Eric Jager, is coming up a little bit later. Also, Tyler Stevenson is going to be on the show in the second half hour. But right now, I am delighted beyond words to welcome in my good friend and broadcast partner, the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. How are you, sir? Well, I'm a, a bit warmer than I think you are at this point in time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's an understatement. I was looking, it's like 40 degrees here, and uh, for some reason it feels like it's negative Antarctica outside. But uh, yeah, it, it, is not, uh, it is not warm at all. So glad that you're staying warm down in Mississippi. And uh, certainly the hot stove starting to heat up around Major League Baseball, and rumors starting to fly. The Reds are a part of some of those rumors. F- fans are starting to react about news that, Maybe the Reds are interested in trading Sonny Gray. Is Francisco Lindor an option as the Reds try to upgrade shortstop? So much to process right now. Uh, but any way you slice it, Cowboy, this is going to be a very unique offseason, not just for the Reds, but for just about everybody across Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think you're right, Tommy. I think that having only a 60-game season last year and and – the extended amount of, of playoff baseball that we had. I think when you when you only have 60 out of 162 games, uh, there there's a deficit from a monetary standpoint, and it may not it may not hurt teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees, but for most clubs in Major League Baseball, your 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 deficit spending, you're you're burning cash basically, and I think that that every club right now, and I think we're going to figure this out here in the next couple of hours when when the market is loaded with a lot of guys that um, have been stars for their clubs, and for some reason, uh, mainly from a financial standpoint, they've been non-tendered. I think there are going to be a lot of surprises out there. I think there are going to be a lot of players that 
either change teams or they change contract status. Yeah, and I, it, well, you talk about the financial situation in baseball right now, and I don't think that it's just lip service from teams to say, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of money to spend as far as maybe helping their bargaining situation with free agents or trying to justify maybe a lack of spending to their fan base. I think that is a legitimate issue that is going to affect baseball this offseason. Um, but as you talk about some of these guys that could be free agents, a, a name that, that stands out is, I mean, we're talking about a situation from the Cubs where Chris Bryant may be non-tendered. Now, I don't think that's likely. He's a name that's been thrown around as a possibility. Kyle Schwarber is probably more likely. But these are frontline guys that, that, like you said, probably will end up without a team and will enter the free agent market. So how does that affect the market? Does, does a uh, market with a lot of players help teams like the Reds? Or d- does that make it a little more challenging? I, I think it's good for the ball clubs because there are a lot of players to choose from and or there potentially will be a lot of players to choose from. I think it's going to be very difficult uh, from a salary context as far as players that are out there that don't have contracts that are up for arbitration and that ultimately get non-tendered. Uh, it, could be, it could be great for a guy like Chris Bryant if, if there are several teams that are are asking for his services or bidding for his services. It could very well turn into a, a, a free agent bargaining session for a guy like that. But for most players that are non-tendered and end up out on the market, uh, they're going to take a, a much lower base salary than what they're accustomed to. They're going to have a lot of incentives built in. It, it doesn't mean that they can't make the same amount of money that they've been making but they're going to have to have an awfully good year to get to those points. And we don't really know at this point in time what 2021 is going to look like. We'd like for it to be regular season, but we don't know that yet. Neither do the team. No, and there's just uh, there are so many questions right now surrounding everything. I, I mean, uh, baseball very much, as it often does, reflects life, and that's kind of the situation we're in right now. We don't know what the future has in store. We don't know what things are going to look like in six months, and neither does baseball. So it's certainly a, situ- a difficult situation for the teams as they try to figure out what their strategies are going to be for the offseason. Uh, I, I want to address kind of the elephant in the room here because looming at the end of the 2021 20, season, there is a uh, big dark cloud that could hang over baseball, and that's the uh, expiration of the current CBA. So how does this offseason affect that, or is this maybe something where the players understand that this is a unique situation, uh, or, or does that not even matter? No, I, I don't know that it, it really even matters at, at this point. I, I think there are going to be um, some issues that fly in the face of, of agreements. Um, I, I think we saw a bit of that uh, last year. Um, and it's, it's not real fan-friendly. It's not owner-friendly. It's not player-friendly. Uh, it, it's just an argument um, that, that turns public. I think that the greatest asset of all of these things that are happening uh, especially multiple players that could potentially hit the market here in the next two or three hours is it makes it fun for fans. Uh, yeah, you're, you may be sad to, to maybe lose one of the guys that you've been following your, your whole life or for a short period of time. But for, for teams, I think you look at rosters right now 
I don't know that there's a team in baseball that has a stacked 40-man roster. There are a lot of spots that are open, and the reason that they have been opened where you've got five or six spots open on your roster is so you can sign some of these guys that may hit the market, and you may be able to make a play quickly and pull in a guy like a Kyle Schwarber. He's the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thraw. It's the Reds' hot stove. And the rumors certainly surrounding the Reds right now, and that uh, I talked about it right out of the gate, is is the rumors that perhaps Sonny Gray might be traded. Can you make sense of this for fans that may hear that and go, what are, what, what, what are they thinking trading Sonny Gray? Because this is something that kind of plays into the offseason economics, does it not? I, I think that it does, and I think that um, it, it's very um, – unsettling for fans that have followed the Reds and have and have really gotten so excited about what this pitching staff was able to to do last year especially after you lose a guy like Trevor Bauer or at least Bauer is is lost at the moment the Reds have not re-signed him yet nor has anybody else for that matter but I think that anytime one of your players especially a stalwart like Sonny Gray is mentioned out in the market sometimes that's thrown out there to start trade discussions, whether it may be a small trade like the Reds had with Robert Stevenson going to the Rockies and the Reds picking up Jeff Hoffman, or it could be a a blockbuster trade. It could be four or five players that that change teams from one side to the other. I I think that any time that you put a major player out there and and you start to talk about him or the, the media begins to talk about him, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to trade Sonny Gray, but it does mean that you're having conversations about a lot of guys to make your club better. And ultimately, if you're the general manager or the president of the club, that's your job. Make your club better. And that is certainly the task that Nick Crawl is faced with right now, and and certainly it would seem on a, uh, a a shortened budget, a reduced budget over what maybe the team would hope to be working with right now, and that goes back to the economics that we addressed earlier. Well, uh, we try not to make too many projections or predictions on this show, but, you know, it's December 2nd, so why the heck not? The Reds have been chasing Francisco Lindor, it seems like, every offseason for the last 20 years. It, it, it just feels like he has been on the radar for a long time. So I'll ask you, do you think this is finally the offseason that the Reds are able to land Francisco Lindor? I, I don't think so. And, and the, the reason that I say that, even, even though it would be a, a, a great ad for the Reds to have that kind of shortstop and that kind of offensive production, I, I think that in a small market environment as the Reds are in, to be able to give up that type of prospect capital, and and I'm talking about players like a Garcia or, or some of the other high-end prospects that the Reds have that may be close to, to being ready to pitch or play in the big leagues, if you give up those guys, you're only getting one year of Francisco Lindor. And this isn't a situation like you had with Sonny Gray when you traded for him and you were able to have a negotiating window for a long-term contract before you actually made the trade. This Francisco Lindor, if you trade for him, I don't care if you're the Reds or if you're any other team in the big leagues, you will have him for one year, and then he is going to test the free agent market. You can book that. No question about that. Now, one thing that I think would be appealing is if you are able to keep Jose Garcia that would be a heck of a guy for Jose Garcia to learn under for one season. But we'll see what the offseason has in store. It's great talking baseball with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. We'll continue talking baseball as we welcome in the Reds' new assistant pitching coach, Eric Jagers, when the Reds' hot stove continues here on the Reds' radio network. 
Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser, UDF, and the Holy Grail Banks. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum, presented by Densmore, is proud to present the Johnny Bench Home Run Collection. Each of the 389 baseballs are autographed and numbered by Johnny and delivered in a deluxe display frame with a photo collage and certificate of ownership. Limited quantities remain. Details are available now at RedsMuseum.org. Certainly delighted to be talking some Reds baseball with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall, and we are joined now by the Reds' new assistant pitcher coach he was the Reds assistant pitching coordinator last year and his name is Eric Jagers Eric thanks so much for joining us and congratulations how's the new gig feel yeah no thank you very much it feels great Uh, I feel super fortunate to be a part of such an awesome group up there Um, and I'm excited to be here with you guys today Eric um you are probably at the at the beginning of this season going to be the youngest uh, major league coach in major league baseball. Now, as, as a player would know, uh, youth has nothing to do with all of this stuff. It's about knowledge and it's about, uh, communication with the players at the big league level, obviously for you now, how much does it help you having been here last year and working with a lot of guys, not only in spring training, but also at Nebraska? Yeah, it, it helps a ton. And, and I think you're exactly right. It's about providing value to those guys and, and helping them ultimately achieve their dream. And, and you know, Prasco was an invaluable experience for me uh, to get to sit alongside Chris Tremme and, and learn from him. I, I spent two instructional leagues, one pre-spring training and then one after the season, as well as the entire summer with him. So I soaked in a, a ton of baseball. And, you know, I feel like I got a crash course uh, with obviously still a ton left to learn. Um, but, but like you said, you know, there was individuals, uh, Antone sticks out. Um, we had Thorny there. We had a lot of guys at the alternate site that ended up contributing to the major league team. Uh, so to have some rapport built up is, is extremely valuable. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I've heard from some of my contacts and, and guys that I've played with and been around that, um, have told me how excited that that we should be that you are now at, at the big league level. Uh, we hear the terms spin rate, spin axis, pitch design, all of those things. Um, and, and you got a guy like Michael Lorenzen that, that is already singing your phrases. And I mean, he's a guy that's been in the big leagues for a while. Um, that, that's that's got to make you feel good and, and feel comfortable stepping into a role that um, – Man, this this matters, especially for this club right now. You're exactly right. It matters a lot. And, and you know, I'm really fortunate to, to have worked with Michael in the past. Um, and, and, you know, it was really cool to see is a trade for Jeff Hoffman, who I've worked with in the past, a trade for Brandon Bailey, uh, same deal there. Uh, trained Bales when, when he was with the Astros in 2017. Um, and he's a Washington guy lives in Colorado now, but he's a guy who, who I'm familiar with. Um, so to, to have that group be disarming and to be in a comfortable spot is, is again, just really, really valuable. But that goes beyond the players. Uh, the continuity between the major leagues and the minor leagues, I think, is something that, that really sticks out with this organization. Um, and I feel really, really fortunate that we had that opportunity to connect not just with players but with staff uh, from the minor leagues to the major leagues, it makes it a really easy transition. 
You know, being a, a former pitcher myself, to hear you use the word continuity, especially when you're talking about minor leagues to big leagues, uh, that is so important. And that's not been in this organization uh, for a long time. Um, and and that, that means a lot to someone like me, and it means a lot to guys that are coming through the system and then getting to the big leagues. Can you give um, our listeners a, a, a little bit of lesson on what Eric Jager's does as far as pitch design and explaining the, the intricacies of, of spin and, and what a breaking ball does or a fastball does for a guy, let's say, like Lucas Sims or Michael Lorenzen or the, the two guys that you mentioned? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we've been blessed with a, a wealth of data. Uh, there's numbers all over the place. You can measure just about dang near anything you can do on the field. And, and our job is to, to not just make those numbers actionable, uh, but to make it really easy to understand and empower these players to maximize their potential. So I, I think, you know, if you break it down to its purest form, that's what it is for me is, is taking this information and, and doing my very best to communicate effectively and, and work with our staff to provide these guys with that opportunity. Eric, do you find that, that, Younger players are more apt to to hear you in your your simplest form, or is it veteran players that want to learn uh, a little bit more about what their stuff actually does? I, I'm always curious as to, to whether the the older players shut you out and the young players are, are starving for information. Uh, there, there's always a bit of give and take. I don't care what kind of coach you are, whether you're a hitting coach or pitching coach or the manager. Uh, there becomes a there has to be a little bit of rapport there to, to make all of this happen. But do, do you find that there's a that there's a difference with the personalities, or is it the age group, or maybe you could explain that? Yeah, you know what I, I think it, when it boils down to it, everybody wants to get better, and and what I think it's about is kind of getting on the same page in terms of vocabulary. And, and being able to, to speak the same language. I've found that, you know, you talk about the old school, new school debate. A lot of times we're saying the same thing. And, and you know, the game is the game. Um, and, and pitching, getting people out, uh, sure, we have more information and more context. But a lot of those similar concepts, you know, are tried and true. And, and so I think when we can get on the same page and, and discuss exactly what it is we're after, um, you know, it makes things a heck of a lot easier. So that's, that's kind of what I've found with the, I would say, old versus new, is there's really just a difference in vocabulary. Eric, certainly appreciate the time. Best of luck this year, and uh, it, it really appreciate you coming on, and, and congratulations on the new gig. Look forward to seeing you work with these guys. Thank you, Eric. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Yep, that is Eric Jagers, the Reds' new assistant pitching coach. Cowboy, that half hour went fast. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, have a uh, have a great holiday season if we don't talk to you beforehand, and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up again soon. Thank you, man. Have a good afternoon. All right, you too. That is the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, kind enough to join us. We're back with Tyler Stevenson next. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. As always, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Although Giving Tuesday has passed, there's still time to support the Reds Community Fund this year. Donate $100 or more for a limited time 
and you'll receive two Reds pint glasses. An anonymous pledge has also been made matching all donations up to $10,000. Find out more at Reds.com slash Giving Tuesday. Great to check. Uh, chat baseball with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley, and uh, we're going to continue to chat baseball now as we welcome in the Reds' 2015 first-round pick overall. He was number 11 taken in that draft. His name is Tyler Stevenson, and boy, did he burst onto the scene in a big way with the Red Legs last season, making his Major League debut, homered in his first big league at bat. Tyler, welcome. Thanks so much for being on with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. How often do you relive this offseason, that first major league at bat that you had? Um, I'd say I'd, I've uh, rewatched the video a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope so. And it's, I... it's, it's actually pretty cool. So um, my parents actually just uh, recently moved, but in our old neighborhood, um, one of the guys that lived in there um, actually made DVDs of all the games I was in this season and it was cool during thanksgiving break um i was at home and we uh re-watched all those videos and stuff so it was, it was fun well let's relive it one more time here's how it sounded <laughs> across the reds radio network four for ten on the year and he crushes this one to left field and deep way back there it is gone Tyler Stevenson, a pinch hit, walk-off, two-run home run to lift the Reds past the Pirates 3-1. That was that was the walk-off home run that you hit uh, because, you know what, what, I think going back, you played in eight games, right? Eight, yeah, eight games. something like that. Yeah, uh, you had two home runs. Uh, both of them were monumental, and that was, that was a walk-off home run as a pinch hitter. And this, this was that first at bat that we were talking about. Former top pick of the Reds. And all oh, this is hammered high and deep and gone. Oh, my goodness. First swing of his major league career. And Tyler Stevenson hits an absolute bomb. I mean, nothing like a home run in your first swing to, to try to match that the rest of your career, right? I know that's that's some pressure after that. Should, I I might just need to hang him up after that. No, no, please don't, please don't do that. No, uh, please, uh, trust me. I, I, what's your, what's your off season been like? I mean, I'm sure last year was 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 a lot of fun, a, kind of a whirlwind for you, up and down. You know, going back and forth to the alternate site and then spending some time on the taxi squad. So I'm sure it was a unique season. So how's the off season been after that year? It's been great. I actually moved to a. Uh, to South Carolina and um, actually got engaged right not too long after the season, so that was uh, that was pretty special to kind of uh, kind of cap off that kind of season and whatnot. Um, but it's been good. I mean, um, staying safe. I mean, that's I think the biggest thing during these times and stuff. But um, it's been good. Well, congratulations on the engagement. Uh, I, I know 20, 2020 has, has certainly been a difficult year for so many people. But, uh, you know, I, I think when, when you're able to look back on something uh, fondly, I, I think you are, are one of the few people that will be able to look back fondly on 2020, making your Major League debut, the highlights we just heard, getting engaged. So uh, way to make the most of what has been a very, very uh, unique year. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the season a little bit. We, we talked about you going mm -hmm. kind of back and forth. You made your major league debut. 
where did you really feel like you grew and and how were you able to grow as a player this year because you spent time at the alternate site you still had a chance to work with a lot of uh, big league pitchers and big league caliber pitchers and you're around a major league staff uh, maybe more so than you would if you were playing in the minor league so did you feel like even though it was a unique season maybe you, you, your growth into a big league player might have happened even a little bit more this year than it would in a normal year I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I mean, just being a crazy year, it was, I mean, I was very, very grateful um, to be a part of that. I guess you can say travel roster for most of the season, whenever I wasn't um, called up and active, anytime that the team went on a road trip, I would pretty much just be a bullpen catcher. So I was in the bullpen during um, those road games and it was good just to one, catch those guys as much as possible and be around at the stadium and being around those guys and just getting to get relationships with most of the, most of the pitchers and just learn from Tucker and Kurt and work with JR. Um, I mean, so I'm just very grateful for that time. Um, I know I wasn't active in playing, but I mean, I think that just kind of sped up the process so much and just made me feel more comfortable for, for when that time did come a little later on talk about the importance of comfort and being around a major league environment because I would think as a young player that's something that could be a little intimidating but but when you're around it on a regular basis like you were and you're allowed to this season I would think that comfort can go a long way once you finally get into some game action I mean absolutely I mean that's that's exactly it and I think I mean I would have loved fans in in the stadium but I definitely think it kind of helped ease that transition um I mean, you look at my first start was at Wrigley Field. Like, I mean, if it was a normal season, that would have been a packed house and all of those extra nerves would have just, who knows what would have happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, exactly. Well, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about. You got time to stick around for a few more minutes? Absolutely. Perfect. We're visiting with Tyler Stevenson here on the Reds. Hot Stove will continue this conversation when we return. It's the Reds Hot Stove Leak presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove Leak presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Holiday Gift Pack is on sale now starting at only $40. This year's gift pack includes four ticket credits, two Reds Hall of Fame and museum tickets, and an oversized Sinzel bobblehead. Purchase the holiday gift pack today at Reds Kiosk uh, located in Kenwood Town Center or at Reds.com slash Holiday. We continue our conversation with Tyler Stevenson. And, uh, Tyler, I want to talk uh, about... We talked about your growth this season, uh, and when you were drafted, there was no mistaking that you could swing the bat. Um, but when you look back um, and you made the decision, you had a chance to go play college baseball, and you probably – correct me if I'm wrong. You're going to stay in your home state and go to Georgia Tech, correct? Correct, yeah. So, so you decided to sign the professional deal. How much of knowing the importance of developing – as a complete catcher, not just an offensive player. Uh, it, it goes far beyond just being able to block a pitch in the dirt, but pitch calling is so important. How much of that went into your decision to be a complete catcher and, and really developing all those school uh, skills at the professional level went into that decision? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of um, grateful. Um, I want to say it was a freshman in high school when I was 14. Um, the travel ball coach that I played for, said from here on out you're going to be calling the pitches the rest of your life like 
might as well start now and learn um, just so it helps you helps you out later down the road and stuff. So all through really from there on out, um, I called my own game and I used to think that I know a lot now <laughs> being in the situation that I am now and have all the information. I'm like, wow, man, I thought I, I thought I was good back then, but I, I mean, it's, it's just night and day, but I mean, just the um, support I've had around me. Um, I was very kind of grateful um, at that young age, just mentors to kind of help lead me and help me here today. Uh, what was it like to, to catch the guys that you were able to catch on this staff? I mean, there were obviously Cy Young Award winner on that with Trevor Bauer, oh, yeah. Sonny Gray, a veteran. I mean, you, you, you worked with all of these guys uh, throughout the course of the season. How much did that mean to you? And is that something that can be a little intimidating for a young catcher? Or does it almost make your job a little easier? A little bit of both. It definitely helps um, when you have guys like that. Just they're so good, and they have they know exactly what they want to do, and their command is just so good. So it it definitely makes our job easier. Um, but it can definitely be pretty um, overwhelming at first, just because I remember being in high school and watching some of these some of these guys pitch, and next thing you know, I'm here um, catching with catching some of the guys and whatnot. Um, so. Um, it was fun. It was it was good to just learn from them and be around them um, just as much as possible, just to learn and just see how they uh, go about their business. We're visiting with Reds catcher Tyler Stevenson on the Reds hot stove today, and uh, you really started to to come into your own as an offensive player during that Double A season in 2019 while you're at Chattanooga. It, how much of that had to do with just finally being healthy after battling through some injuries, or was there something that really clicked for you? Because you not only took off in the regular season, you continued to have success when you went to the fall league uh, that fall. So, so what was it that really just kind of all came together? Because we we saw that even in the small sample we saw you at the big league level last year. Yeah, I mean, definitely being healthy is a big big key to everything um i know early on i think it was my first two years um that i was kind of hit with injuries and stuff but just fluke things and especially those ab's kind of go wasted and whatnot i mean and that's and that's a that's a tough time to kind of go through all those injuries and stuff but um i was actually it was i want to say pretty cool because we were both hurt but whenever i had my wrist surgery my first year that's when winker was also rehabbing and so i got to spend a lot of time to get to know him and at that time he was kind of I guess you can say that the top prospect and he was kind of on the verge of getting called up and stuff so it was cool just to kind of learn from him and just see about just pick his brains really on um just what the journey that it's been for him throughout the minor leagues and stuff um but then especially in double a um I I was having a, I was having a good season and then um I'd say about midway, I kind of made an adjustment that I kind of worked on in spring training. And um, I guess uh, when you look and I, I toe tap now hitting, um, that's something that in spring training we talked about. And then I kind of got away from uh, at the beginning of the season just because it was a timing thing. I just didn't really feel comfortable with it. And then it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm going to go back to it. And then from there on out, um, I don't know. It just seems <laughs> seemed to work. Outstanding. Yeah, I would say it certainly has. Let me get on time. Well, it, it worked out in a big way for you. Uh, of course, both home runs we talked about, certainly big ones for you uh, during the season last year. Uh, before we let you go, got to wrap up with, with 
some Thanksgiving talk because we just wrapped up Thanksgiving. Are you a big Thanksgiving feast guy? I mean, it's it's probably from a food standpoint my favorite meal of the year. Uh, but I, I oh I, yeah, I've learned that people there there are people out there that do not like Thanksgiving food. So so what's your go to? What 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 is a must on the Thanksgiving table? Oh, number one probably favorite. Um, it's probably sweet potato casserole. Okay. With the marshmallows on top, little candied marshmallows there. Yes. And then also I'm a big nut guy, like, uh, walnuts or anything like that. And I'm outstanding. Interesting. Interesting. Um, no almonds. It's not walnuts. Almonds. Okay. Okay. Totally wrong. Um, sweet potato casserole. Number one. Um, my grandma makes a like stuffing. Um, that is unbelievable. Mac and cheese. I mean, who doesn't like mac and cheese? Uh, nobody. Um, Actually, I think I think Jeff Brantley does not like mac and cheese. Oh. Yeah. I mean, mac and cheese, um, obviously turkey. My dad smoked um, some Ooh. turkey breast this um, Thanksgiving and then ham. All right. I, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. Usually I've liked ham more than turkey just because, I don't know, it can – bland but my dad actually did a really good job this year but don't tell him that um, <laughs> you can't give him too much credit I, right I, I always tell him that i could do better but it was actually really good well you, so, you realize now that uh, you're getting married soon that you might be hosting thanksgiving sooner I rather know, than I later guess. so now you're really going to have to step your game up i know because he will tell me every day that he's better than that well so. well you know gotta keep you in check <laughs> i made a uh i made a or a, a maple roasted turkey one year for Thanksgiving. So if you need the Ooh. recipe, just let me know. I can send that your way. It'll be a big hit, I promise. Might, might have to hit you up for that one <laughs> when that time comes. Tyler, thanks so much for being on with us. Uh, sadly, we're out of time, but really appreciate the time and uh, look forward to catching up with you. If not before spring training, certainly out in Arizona. Uh, have a great, healthy rest of your offseason. Enjoy it, man. Thanks so much, and congratulations on a heck of a first year. I appreciate it. Thank you all. That is Tyler Stevenson joining us on the Reds Hot Stove tonight. And uh, coming up, we'll give you a chance to call in, take your phone calls, 513-749-1360 as we wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser, UDF, and the Holy Grail Banks here on the Reds Radio Network. Wrapping things up on the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds salute Humana for supporting this year's Academy Giving Tree program. With so many families hurting during the pandemic, Humana contributed funding so that the Reds Community Fund can contribute the tradition of providing holiday gifts and meals to Youth Academy kids. Very cool stuff there. Also, uh, some info for you. The uh, Rosie Reds. What a wonderful organization, by the way, the Rosie Reds are. Uh, Starting uh, yesterday, uh, they will be accepting both renewals and new memberships for the 2021 calendar year. The website is rosyreds.org. Memberships really make some great gifts for uh, Reds fans that that love their team. Uh, It's great for both men and women. Again, you can get more information, rosyreds.org. Programming note for you, next week, uh, Jim Day will be hosting. That show will be on Tuesday, December the 8th. We'll be back on 700 WLW, but instead of Wednesday, as we have traditionally been on here in the Reds Hot Stove League, it will be on Tuesday, same time, 6 o'clock, across the Reds radio network again. Tuesday night, 
Jim Day is hosting, and Joey Votto will be uh, a guest on that show. So you don't want to miss next week's show. Uh, still a little bit of time. If you got a phone call, uh, if you got a question, dial me up, 513-749-1360, 513-749-1360. Little news, uh, it, it's been announced now and been reported and confirmed a couple of sources. Uh, Bobby Nightingale on Twitter uh, confirming it actually as well and reporting that uh, outfielder Brian Goodwin has been non-tendered by the Reds. A lot of guys across Major League Baseball being non-tendered by their respective clubs. So a lot of things to keep an eye on as the hot stove really begins to heat up and the free agent pool uh, will probably grow exponentially over the next hour as uh, teams non-tender players throughout Major League Baseball. Big thanks to the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. Also thanks to Eric Jagers, the Reds' new assistant pitching coach, former first-round pick, and Reds catcher Tyler Stevenson. Big thanks to him for joining us on the show. And, as always, the broadcast, Sheriff Dave Keaton. This is Tommy Thrall saying thanks for listening to the Reds' Hot Stove League on the Reds' radio network. Good night.